Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is Michael Stern. He is a USA Today opinion columnist. He's also written for the Chicago Tribune and The Guardian and The Hill and HuffPost. He's a former federal prosecutor. I just love him. He is such an awesome guy. We're going to have a great time, but before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman run. A great big thing. Thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash start me up. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash start me up. And don't forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation conversation with Michael Stern. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you. Well, you know, I just I have to tell everyone, I, I did a patrons-only show earlier where I just talked to my patrons, but I got all confused with time, and I thought we were going to do this show three hours ago, um, but you're on the West Coast, and I'm on the East Coast, so I just, I, I think my brain, it, whenever we scheduled this show all the way up until today, my brain is like, it's it's going a little haywire and okay so the other thing is real quick uh the right side of my throat is hurting now so i'm not sure what's going on i probably don't have covid but you know i'm a worrier so um like around two o'clock my time it's now six thirty. i started feeling like on the right side of my throat it's kind of icky so i'm wondering have you had covid during this whole time I- I have had COVID. No one knows this except my family and close friends. Oh, so, wow. uh, so you're breaking, getting a, a scoop news. to the yeah. extent <laughs> that anyone has any interest. Um, I made it two years essentially without COVID. Yeah. And then I, the only time that I ever take my mask off in public indoors is when I am swimming laps at the gym. Mm-hmm. And my assumption is that I swam laps at the gym for the first time since COVID. Someone actually wanted to swim in the same lane that I was in. Mm-hmm. And I had asked before I got into the pool and the, the gym said that's allowed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we were so close at times we were brushing hands, you know, like as yeah. we were swimming past one another. And and yes, I got it. And yes, it was miserable. And I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But yes, it began with a sore throat. Well, okay, so now I'm going to ask you all kinds of questions on this. When did you get it? Probably four weeks ago, five weeks ago, something like that. Okay, and so did and, and here's the irony. Let me say this. I went back to Michigan where my parents live because they got COVID uh-huh. after also making it all this time right, without yeah. getting COVID. Uh, they got it December 27th. Uh-huh. I went back to Michigan to take care of them. I did not even stay wow. with them. I stayed with friends. When I went to see them, we would wear N95s. I would stay with the door open in freezing Michigan <laughs> at the door and they would stay upstairs oh. with a mask on, basically waving and screaming at each other, oh. trying to communicate. Oh, and you didn't. And I get did it not then. get it from them. <laughs> oh now, um, so okay, now the, uh, uh, it kind of is going. It, it feels like it's kind of going away, but I don't know. I'm not going to make any snap decisions on this. It might come back. So what I'm experiencing, I'm a little tired, but that's kind of normal. And then because I'm a hormonal old woman and then on the um which we're going to talk about aging in a minute but uh, it's on the right side of my throat it's just my one tonsil so when you started feeling sick what was the first thing you felt i felt a sore throat i mean again i i hate to be the bearer of bad news (laughs) but i felt nothing but a sore throat i thought oh god no because Mm -hmm. and when i say i've been really careful i know how to wear a mask yeah i'm not one of the people who uses a mask as a chin strap (laughs) and then claims that they're wearing a mask i make sure it is over my nose there was a time when i bought this little contraption from university of wisconsin engineering department they had created this thing that goes over your mask that pulls it close so it's sealed Mm -hmm. that makes you look a little bit like hannibal lecter (laughs) but you know but it worked so 
I I know only, you know, limited opportunities mm-hmm. where it could have happened, and it's got to have been the swimming pool. Right. And so then, what, okay, you had a sore throat, and how, yeah. how long did it take from the sore throat to go from that to, you know, feeling like miserable shit? Long enough for you to make it through this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, but we'll probably, see. But probably not long enough for you to have – uh, you know, a piece of chocolate cake for dessert. <laughs> Although you're on the West Coast, so maybe not enough, not long enough for you to have your midnight snack. Because okay. <laughs> really, it went. I mean, it was about four or five hours. Oh wow! And, okay. Yeah, and it was downhill. And let me say this: I, I am not a scientist nor a doctor, but I have read that if your COVID begins with a sore throat, mm-hmm. you are better off swabbing your throat. Oh, that's right. Than yeah. your nose. That's right. I heard because that because. Yeah, because Omicron has a tendency, apparently, to really hit the throat and the nasal and the, um, you know, the throat, the larynx, the, right. you know, that area faster than it does the nose. And I will tell you, the first test that I did, because I had some home test kits, mm-hmm. I swabbed my throat and mm-hmm. my and it was a positive home test. Oh, okay. Then I swabbed my nose minutes later and it was negative. Interesting. Okay, well, I'm going to so, keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was around. It was several hours ago, and it's it's not getting worse. So, knock on wood, maybe it's just allergies. And I have a tendency to, um, like, I notice every little thing about me. So if I'm not feeling okay, um, it just it's like in my mind, I feel like, oh, uh oh, uh oh. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. I guess we'll know tonight. We'll know tonight. <laughs> I, I hope that I hope that you know it's not it because it was Thank not you. a pleasant experience. How long were you sick? I was, it was interesting because the, the night um, that I got sick, I got the chills and the aching mm-hmm. and sort of, you know, delusional, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm flying through the clouds while lying in bed hmm. symptoms. Um, and then the next day it was again, sort of similarly achy and, and not feeling well, but that really dissipated after, you know, maybe two days, what got really bad was the sore throat. The mm. sore throat got to the point where it felt like someone was cauterizing my vocal cords oh my without God. anesthetic. It was bad. Oh, my God. That sucks. Well, yeah, it I was hope bad. that doesn't happen. And then how? And for how long? How, how long did you feel sick total? Uh, well, the, the throat was bad for about three days. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to get gross, but swallowing was difficult. Yeah. So, I slept with a bowl next to How my fun. bed because I didn't want to swallow. Oh my god! What a yeah, it was bad. Hassle. That sucks, man. And then after three days, were you um, feeling better, or did you just have like a, another week of kind of like recovery? Um, I was feeling weak and sort of tired, but but aside from the throat, which was horrible for about three days, mm-hmm. you know, a, a couple of days, and I was clearly getting better. Mm-hmm. I will say this. I think that what happens often, and I know someone else who this happened to, who's actually going through it now, people get secondary bacterial infections mm-hmm. because COVID, the virus has a tendency to create a lot of muck around your throat, and mm-hmm. that's a perfect medium for bacteria to grow. So I ultimately uh, ended up getting antibiotics, which don't work at all on a virus, right. but within about 24 hours, they began to take care of my throat. So my assumption was that I got a secondary bacterial infection, and <sighs> And oh, that helped clear up the throat problem. Interesting. Wow. Well, that's good to know. And I, you know, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I mean, it, it has been for me, I've avoided it and I'm pretty sure I've avoided it because I live with someone and it, I mean, I'm sure it could happen that you both could get asymptomatic COVID, but I think right. the chances are probably uh, pretty small that one, you know, at least one of you would feel the symptoms. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully I don't have it. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm going with that, which I'm slightly nervous, you know, like I've got a little bit of nervous energy around it, but it's, it's not escalating. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hold tight. And as I said, I wanted to talk to you about aging a little bit, just because you've written about it, at least on, on Twitter. And I, I did a blog post, but it's funny. I mean, I, I'm going to be 54 
this year. And 54 was the year my mom completely freaked out. She was like, that's the year I knew it. I'm just, I'm getting older. It's, I'm, it's not reversing. <laughs> and nope. I'm just heading into old I people. Wrote, I actually wrote a column for USA Today about it. Really? I mean, you know, it never occurred to me that they would want to publish a, col- a column about, you know, uh, a gay man who's complaining that, you know, he's <laughs> over the, his prime at the age of 60. <laughs> But sure as heck, they published it, and a lot of people read it, shockingly, and contacted me about it. Oh, that's right. I do remember, because you were talking about – I remember you were talking about going to the gym or something about how gay men – I don't know how you – I don't want to say this wrong, but it was something about how gay men – like take a lot of pride in their sexuality and you f- something about how like you can tell that it, the the tides are changing now or something like that what am, do you know what i'm talking about like you were talking yes okay. i know what you're talking about i lived it and i re- i wrote it right yeah, i think what, what i said was that you know you know you're getting over your your prime when you can walk through a gay neighborhood okay. or or you know walk through a gay gym and work out and no one looks at you you're i mean right. you know nothing yeah there's absolutely no uh, acknowledgement that you're there yeah um and and what i did say was i think that gay men often place a premium on physical beauty that's not right. to say that right, you right. know that women don't that straight men don't right. I, I you know there apparently was a study um, that was done not apparently i found a study that was done <laughs> that acknowledged that now that's also not to say so let me make the disclaimer so i don't get twitter contacts with angry <laughs> people that's not to say that gay men don't have close personal serious relationships or that they don't you know find interest in substantive things all of that is absolutely true i just think that for a lot of gay men certainly not all of them there's a culture of trying to um you know trying to be physically fit and there is this additional premium on on that Mm -hmm. and you, you know when I turned 60, it all just seemed to yeah. come crashing down. So. Aw. Well, well, you're still quite handsome. but And I'm not just saying that. I genuinely mean that. Thank but, you. But, I, I mean, I haven't really had that experience because I haven't gone out for a while. And I used to be an actor. I used to be, um, you know, the young, hot thing living in Los Angeles. So, and and I, I turned heads a lot. I mean, part of it is just because I'm six feet tall. That's tall. Yeah, I mean, being six foot tall and blonde and, you know, having that whole... It was funny, I used to, I used to work at the uh, at a department store called The Broadway, and there was this woman, I was probably about 20, and she was in her 40s, and she was from Brazil, and she always called me the blonde bombshell. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and, and it was funny because I, I was... People would always ask me, are you a model? And, and I got used to it, and, and it wasn't... I mean, it, after you hear it a lot... It's 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 a compliment and you appreciate it, but it starts to get to to be where it's it's kind of not even any it's not meaningful anymore. It doesn't mean anything and until not, it disappears. Yeah, until it disappears. Although yeah. it's funny because I don't have that experience now in that I don't go out a lot. But it's funny I have gained some weight. I'm older and hormones said fuck you. We're gonna keep the you know we're putting some weight on you, not because of anything you're doing, not because of extra food you're eating, just because we're like, fuck you, old lady. And so I, you know, I'm, I, I'm heavier than I used to be. I have cellulite on my arms and it's like horrifying. And I have this, like, I desperately, desperately want to go back to Los Angeles and I want to visit people. But I have to tell you, there is this like part of me that doesn't want to go because, and it's not that I have to go and be the young hot thing. I'm totally fine with not being the young hot thing, but it's just going to be weird when I go if I'm still carrying this extra weight. And you know, as the years go past, I'm just going to get older and look older. And Los Angeles is a very hard place to be older. My mom always said, "I don't want to be old in L.A." And I can understand why, because it's like it just loves young people and loves youth. And even though I'm okay with my age, I'm not freaking out about my age. It's just it's a weird thing to lose your youth. You know, listen, you can you can live a life that primarily focuses on substantive you know, development, your intellect, um, your friendships, your relationships, your emotional maturity. I mean, all of these things, but, you know, human beings still have a part of them that, you know, that are sexual human beings Mm -hmm. and enjoy attention Mm -hmm. from other people in the world. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of being 
sociable yeah. and um you know and i don't want people to get the mistaken impression that what i'm saying and i'm sure what you're saying is that you know that that physical appeal or uh you know attracting other people is the primary essence right. of why no. we lived because that isn't the case no. but you know but we're complex human beings yes. are complex and there are different components of them and one of those components is is you know that what we're talking about and when it goes away <laughs> you know when when you're relegated to you know lo no longer uh you know right up at the shopping mall the first couple <laughs> of parking spaces and now your parking tag direct you to the edge of the parking lot next to Denny's. <laughs> you know, it's so it's true. It's not a good it's, feeling. It's so weird. And it's like, um, again, I mean, there's this thing that I'm not even, mo I, I don't know how to describe it. There's part of me that, of course, I mourn my smoother skin. Of course, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm aging pretty well. You know, I think, I think I'm doing pretty well. I do see a little crepiness under my arms. And as much as I don't like that and everything, I think there is this other side where it's just weird to watch yourself age. Mm -hmm. Because the last yeah. time you go through any major physical change, it's puberty. And then you have right. decades of basically looking the same. You change a little bit. You become more mature looking. You grow into yourself, all that stuff. But then all of a sudden, when you start hitting, you know, everybody's a little bit different, whether it's your 50s or 60s, once you start hitting those marks, then you're going to the point of no return and then it's it's it becomes fairly rapid again <laughs> it's like yes i can i can vouch for that um so but the other thing is it's not just you know oh i like people looking at me there's a sense of your own mortality yes that's it play that's what it is when you see yourself change and you don't have any control over it yeah. and you know you you sort of know where this is going mm -hmm. um Everyone experiences <laughs> this. Some people it bothers more. Some people it bothers less. Some people might not even acknowledge it. But right. you know, part of what I enjoy doing when I write is is touching on things that I think people think about because I think about. Although yeah. I'm a bit of an oddball, so I may think about <laughs> things that no one else cares or thinks about. But but a lot of times I hit on things that other people think about that they don't talk about. Yeah. And. And I think that, you know, people can appreciate that someone's actually saying it out loud. Yeah. And that's for me, too. It's funny because I've been putting up a lot of my headshots and, you know, I've just I've been reminiscing and it's kind of a combination of what you just said, you know, what you're talking about and, and you and, and, you know, remembering your youth and all that stuff. And, and now I'm looking at that other person, because to me, my youthful version of myself is kind of another person I'm the same person but I was different and I was younger obviously when you age you get maturity and everything so I've been I've also been so fucking burnt out on politics and so you know I've been going through old stuff and my pictures and it's like I'm looking at these headshots of myself you know from basically the 90s and the early 2000s and I I can I have these remembrances of what I thought of the photo if I liked it or if I didn't like it and why and, you know, um, how I hated myself so much when I was younger. And, you know, I was I knew that I was mm -hmm. a beautiful woman, but it didn't matter because I wasn't beautiful enough. I, I wasn't beautiful, beautiful, in my opinion, enough to get work or to, to, to find someone to love me or whatever it was that I was telling mm -hmm. myself. And, and now I can look at myself. And again, I knew that what I was doing, like I said to myself, when I get older, I'm going to look back and go, you stupid idiot. <laughs> you had it all. And all you did was criticize yourself. I knew that then. And, you know, but it's now here I am and I'm older. And so it's like I'm looking at these pictures and I'm like kind of re reminiscing and living, remembering what it was like to be me then and all that. And, and those photographs that I've been putting up, I spent thousands and thousands of dollars on and I would give them to my agents and they would just sit there. They wouldn't even go out. Yeah. So it's like, fuck it. I'm going to put them on Twitter. You know, it's like, <laughs> I was well, young. We're all, in, we're all enjoying them. I've seen several of them and, and they, they look great. You look great. Well, thank you. And it's funny because someone said, oh, someone's fishing for compliments. And it's like, well, I'm not really fishing for compliments. I know people are going to compliment because people put their pictures up and they get compliments and that's how it goes. But that's not why I'm doing it. I'm just doing it because it's like, wow, look at me. Look at the, I was this gorgeous woman and all I did was fucking hate myself. 
And so, you know, and criticize myself and worry about my acne and was I fat? Was I too fat? And it's like, oh my God. You know, I just, I wish I could go back to that young self and have a stern talking to, but I don't think I would have listened to myself anyway. Because you're, when you're young, you're just so, you know, into your, own shit and I you know as many times as my mother would try to talk sense into me I would just you know yeah I don't know that you know listen if I could combine uh you know not having the back aches and the body <laughs> aches after working out with my current state of maturity and and you know mental being as as frail as it is in many ways um that would be ideal so yeah. I don't know that I would jettison myself back in time to live it all over again oh i wouldn't but i would talk to myself (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i don't want to go back no fucking way no way and you know it's funny because there's while we're going through all this horrible shit with covid and fascism and white supremacy i obviously long i mean i think that's part of it too i'm getting older and then i'm also longing for times that were so much easier and you know but but I don't want to be my younger self. I've already been my younger self, and I had a great time. I certainly tortured myself, and I abused myself a lot with this shit that I told myself, but, but I certainly had a good time, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the phase that I'm in, with the exception of COVID and all that stuff. <laughs> I, I yeah, like with the it. exception of COVID, the state of politics, yeah. uh, you know, Russia about to invade exactly. uh, US allies. Yeah, you know, all of that. It's great. Uh, other than that. <laughs> other than that. Okay, so other let's 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 get into the politics. So now what do you okay, I want to ask you about this whole Russian invasion thing. Um Okay, first of all, let me just preface this with I, I told you even before we, we started recording, I'm woefully unprepared <laughs> because there are times in my life where I have spent so much time obsessing over the news and watching yeah. You know, TV shows and reading every article I can get my hands on. There are times when I just feel like this is not healthy. I need to mm-hmm. break this cycle, and I really try and cut back. So this is one of those times. But but in preparation, <laughs> I I did do a little bit of research because also just for myself. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't want to turn on the news, you know, a week from now and hear about Russia invading Ukraine and thinking, you know, what in the hell happened? <laughs> right. I had no no idea where did that come from yeah. when everyone knew what was going on. But Go ahead. Well, you and I are kind of in the same boat because I've been doing the same thing. I've been I've been having a hard time focusing on stuff just because it's so overwhelming and stressful, hence so many headshot photos being posted. <laughs> um, but I know that with, you know, there's different different thoughts, different theories on what's going to happen there. Um, and and I guess the conversation that Biden had with Putin uh, like, for instance, I was talking to my mom about it, who's a political junkie, and she thinks that Biden was like, go ahead, make my day. Go ahead and do this and see what happens to you. Because, and, and there was an, actually, there was, I'm going to get this, there's a thread by Senator Chris Murphy. I'm not going to read the entire thread because I think it's like 10 or 9, um, but I'm, I'm just going to give you the gist here. Um, So he says, it's maddening to watch Putin hold these cards. It feels like he's in charge holding us all hostage, but not really. He's operating from a position of severe weakness, having failed to coax Ukraine back into its orbit. A potentially disastrous invasion is his last resort. So he goes on to say, uh, let's say, remember how we got here. Ukraine used to be a Soviet republic. And then for most of its post-Soviet independence, its leaders operated in close association with the Kremlin. But in 2013, something happened. The, Kremlin, the Ukrainian people realized that a p- political and economic dependence on Russia was a road to nowhere, so they rose up. Uh, Putin panicked. Uh, that was the last straw, and Putin's toadies were run out of the country and the nation, and they elected uh, pro-Europe, pro-U.S. leadership. So let's see. By 2021, Putin had no options left, so he panicked again. This time he gambled and threatened, inva- and threatened invasion that would collapse Zelensky's government, create tensions, fissures within NATO, or result in the West folding and agreeing to his demands. None of that happened. Um, so let's see, I'm going down. He's got two ways out. He can back down or proceed with the war. If he does, it's going to be an expensive, costly, and potentially disastrous invasion. So basically, he would fuck himself 
uh, if he if he does this, it'll be long, bloody insurgency, and the Ukrainian people are not going to submit. I don't know if you saw the other day, there was like this grandmother learning how to shoot with an automatic weapon in Ukraine. So it's like, yeah, I, yeah. I've seen this, but but I don't I also don't know. I mean, you know, when we you know, when we got out of the wars that we were in, the expectation was that the people, uh, you know, would hold their own. Mm-hmm. And that just didn't happen. They mm-hmm. basically caved to the Taliban mm-hmm. and it was over before it ever began. Right. Despite, you know, despite the U.S.'s idea, um, you know, that that an independent government and the people would stand up and, mm-hmm. and that just didn't happen. So I hope that Chris Murphy is correct. Right. What I can't understand is why, uh, you know, why the president of Ukraine, Zelensky is, you know, basically saying, Oh, this is all hysteria mm-hmm. and acting as though it's not going to happen. That I find to be oddly perplexing. Hmm. Yeah, that, that is weird. And then, Chris goes on to say, he said, sanctions from the U.S. and the rest of the world would be devastating. Um, nothing like the relatively milquetoast sanctions Russia has endured so far. So um, I'm wondering, okay, a couple of different things. There is chatter, and I don't know, you know, this is just chatter, that Putin's kind of losing it mentally. Um, and then, you know, there, there's some guy, and I don't know who it is, I can't think of his name, but he is a, uh, like a Russian ally. Uh, God, his name is just on the tip of my tongue and I can't think of it. But I think he's in Ukraine and he's talking about nuclear weapons. So this is the thing that scares me so much. It seems like the sensible thing would be not to use a nuclear weapon because once, once they do that, it's going to be, I just think it's going to be more and more. Uh, it won't be just one, you know. And so where where are you as far as – do you think Putin is – what do you think he's doing? Do you think he's going to invade? And if he does, do you think nuclear weapons are going to be part of this? Listen, I, I don't know. I mean, that's one of Putin's unique qualities. I think yeah. that he doesn't – it's not clear to people exactly what he's going to do. He was a KGB member, yeah. and he's very good at keeping a poker face. Mm-hmm. You know, I certainly personally don't know more than the U.S. government, and the U.S. <laughs> government, you know, seems – you know, from, from the president down, seems to be very clearly of the impression that – you know that Russia is going to invade Ukraine, and that it's going to happen in you know imminently mm-hmm. in the very near future. Right. And so, I have to take that intelligence at its word. I mean, we know that intelligence isn't always accurate, mm-hmm. but I don't think uh, you know reading tea leaves from Putin's facial expressions <laughs> or you know or what other people are saying about him is going to be a better uh, gauge as to what's going to happen than listening to U.S. intelligence. Well, that's true. Now, I mean, do you have a, do you think nuclear weapons are going to be part of this or are you not worried or are you like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if yeah. nuclear weapons are going to be part of this. I, I think that, I think that to whatever extent there are going to be sanctions and they're going to be, as Chris Murphy said, devastating to Putin. Yeah. I, I think that if nuclear weapons were utilized, it would be infinitely more devastating yes. because I think that the world, I think it would galvanize the world against mm. Russia in a very distinct way mm. because I think that's a line, you know, that yeah. crossing that line is not something that is lightly done. Mm-hmm. But let me say this the whole idea behind sanctions is perfectly fine to say now, but what's going to happen if in the midterms we, meaning Democrats, lose the Senate and lose the House? Mm. And, and that's my concern because mm-hmm. there has been no backbone when it comes to sanctions against Russia yeah. from Republicans and Republican leadership right down to everyone virtually but Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney yeah. um, and potentially Mitt Romney are – you know, are following the general protocol, which is let's let's you know talk tough on Russia, but not do anything. Right. That that's a really good point. That's another reason we should be making sure we have a voting plan and we vote this November, which is just everything. It's got to be. We've got to do this. Uh, I didn't even think about that, and you're right. That that is absolutely a very big concern. Um, and I know you can't read the tea leaves, especially 
you know, with what Putin's doing, but it's like maybe there's some kind of intuition that you might have a gut feeling or something. I mean, I have no gut feeling. I don't know. I'm, I'm just... And, and I never, I always try not to trust my gut feeling unless it's something I'm a complete expert at. You know, if I'm, you know, when I was a prosecutor and I was talking to a witness or an informant or a defendant who wanted to become a cooperator or wanted a plea deal and, and told me he was telling the truth, a lot of times I would rely on my gut, but mm-hmm. it was never really my gut. It was my gut reacted to all of the, you know, to all of the, factual intelligence that I could put together and assess, Mm -hmm. then that left me with a gut impression, which really isn't a gut impression. You know, it's, it's more an analyzed impression. Right. Right. Well, that makes sense being that you're a lawyer and all. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I try. (laughs) All right. Well, we have to take a quick break and we will be back after this message. Oh, hi, it's Kimberly. Are you my patron? Why aren't you my patron? If you just go to patreon.com slash start me up, you're going to see all the tiers I offer. You're going to see so much. You're going to see everything. Just go to patreon.com slash start me up and become my patron today. You won't regret it. Okay, we're back. Um, All right, moving on. Let's see. I I know you heard the news today that, um, let me find it here. That uh, Trump and his was it is it both Trump and his kids or just that his kids are going to have to go uh, testify? Trump and his kids are uh, going to have to testify in a, a civil deposition for New York Attorney General Letitia Jones. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and so they can dispose depose Trump. I was said dispose. Um, now you know <laughs> I, I might vote for dispose if given the option of depose or dispose. Dispose may be a better alternative. But so not walk, my choice. Walk us through this, since you do know the law. Uh, how how is this going to work? And are are they just going to go in there and and plead the fifth and not say anything? Um, how much can they get out of this deposition? So here's what happens: anyone can plead the fifth if it places them in criminal jeopardy. Mm-hmm. People cannot legally plead the fifth, meaning the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution, if they simply don't want to answer a question, um, you know, because it could make them look bad. It has to place them in some type of criminal jeopardy. There has to be um, an assessment as to whether or not it's likely that what they say could be used against them criminally. They Mm -hmm. could potentially uh, convict them of a crime and, and incarcerate them. So, you know, Will, But will they follow that rule? My guess is no, because I think right. that, you know, recently one of the Trump kids, I think it was Eric Trump, um, you know, was deposed and basically – and the judge, I think, said, uh, didn't he take the fifth something like 500 times, mm-hmm. exaggerating for effect. But, yeah, you know, and, and it's very difficult to say, no, this could never place you in, in criminal jeopardy. So judges have a tendency to be very lenient when it comes to someone taking the fifth. That I'm saying that for purposes of the kids. Mm-hmm. The same analysis applies to Donald Trump, but the idea of – a United States president taking the stand and taking the fifth, even during a deposition, a civil deposition, is really something that I think could shock the American consciousness because that would, I mean, Donald Trump then is essentially saying, I'm not going to answer your question because if I answer your question honestly, it will show you that I'm a criminal. That's Mm -hmm. the essence of what taking the fifth would say. And I just, think that that's a line that even Donald Trump, who loves to cross lines, would not want to cross. Wow. That's that's a good point. That's an interesting point. I mean, I feel like if he were to take the fifth, um, basically his supporters would just say, well, that's good because this is a witch hunt and you shouldn't even, um, you know, be there in the first place. And so but but that's just the base. That's not like you were saying. Average Americans are going to look at this differently than, uh, you know, like the QAnon freaks who don't live in reality. And that's basically what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a, a huge part of the population that has a completely different reality. And, I mean, you can say it's good versus evil as opposed to Democrat. I mean, it is because it's white supremacy, it's um, fascism and all of that. But it's also because of various, whether it's Fox News or OAN or Rich, Rush Limbaugh or whatever, 
uh, there is a huge, Newsmax. Yeah, Newsmax. All these, all these, uh, like, like brainwash, brainwashing cable news shows have completely been successful in getting, I mean, millions, seventy million people voted for him. So yeah. you know, I mean, this is just this is crazy. But, I, but it, it breaks my heart. It just yeah, breaks my heart that after four years of watching what he was involved. Listen, it, it was one thing in 2016 right. to say he'll be different as a president. You know, he'll he'll rise to the occasion. Um, but after four years mm-hmm. of watching what he was involved in, the idea that 70 million people went to the polls and pulled the lever for Donald Trump just breaks my heart. I yeah. mean, it's an America that I know too well but it's not an america i know that that you know i'm happy with it's no. an america that i'm embarrassed by in many ways very much it is very embarrassing um now what do you think as far as especially with your legal mind um we've got all these different lawsuits and we've got these investigations we've got georgia new york um possibly whatever the doj i mean the doj is already obviously putting you know has put some people in jail and they've you know they're starting small as far as trump is concerned and trump his people in his orbit so higher ups um but specifically donald trump do you think that a do you think he'll ever go to jail and do you think well i mean obviously he, he could be indicted and if he is indicted well, I'll get to that in a minute. First of all, first question, no matter what, do you think he'll go to jail? Okay, so I'm salivating at the idea of answering that question. <laughs> that said, four hours ago, I finished a column and sent it off to to my editor and said, uh, I finally have decided to write a column you know, that, that addresses the question that everyone is asking, mm-hmm. and that is, why the hell hasn't Merrick Garland indicted Donald Trump? So I don't want to – I don't want to – talk about it now and then have no one read my column but that that is the question that everyone is asking everyone you know every democrat certainly and and even some republicans are furious at the idea that you know merrick garland's been in you know in this position for 11 months and there is no clear sign that he's ever going to indict donald trump for crimes that were committed in public Mm -hmm. um and yeah, I, I get the anger. I am I am with you in the pool of people who are furious at, at what's happening. I also understand, you know, based on having worked for DOJ for 25 years, mm-hmm. other things that are, are going on in all likelihood. And as I said, I've just finished a column uh, about that. You know, the editors are looking at it. And so if, um, you know, if and when it gets published, right. I'm happy to come back on and and spill my guts. Awesome. Okay, well, I, I will ask you that. Did you write anything about Mark Meadows? I did not. Okay, well, let me, can I ask you then, um, why don't you think he has, why hasn't the DOJ done anything with him when they did it with Bannon, when they, when they went after Bannon? Because Mark Meadows <sighs> defied, you know, his, his uh, subpoena. Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, there's, there is a problem going after not only Donald Trump, but all the upper echelon people. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it ties into the column that I wrote. So, okay. oh, you, you're going to be angry at me for just saying, <laughs> I want people to read the column. And I put you know, something that, you know, people have been saying, please write a column about this. Yeah. Why hasn't Merrick Garland indicted him? And finally, uh, you finally I, I did it, and, and now you can't talk about it because it's not published yet. But that's okay. I will not be mad at you, and I will not hate you. Um, but I, you know, I have been. I think he should go. I don't and remember. What, wait, wait. Wasn't Bannon indicted? If I remember correctly, Bannon was indicted for a substantive crime related to fraud, related to money, um, and taking in donations. Yes. Am I wrong about that? Uh, well, I mean, are you talking about, I'm talking about the congressional subpoena that he defied and then the DOJ went after him for that. Um, oh, but I don't think Bannon was indicted over that. Bannon, not indicted. The, there was a referral from Congress yeah, there was a referral, to DOJ yeah. for contempt. And I guess there's going to be some hearing about this in April or so, or July or something uh, regarding his situation there. Obviously he didn't get thrown in jail. But uh, the DOJ did something. I don't even fucking know. 
um, the DOJ did something regarding Bannon because there is a trial having to do with him not going, uh, you know, going to talk to the 1-6 committee. And so Mark Meadows ignored his subpoena and nobody's doing anything. And so I'm just wondering, and you know, the where, where I'm- Actually, saying, you know what, you are right, Kimberly, you are right. Bannon was indicted in November okay, of indicted. last year. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, on two counts of contempt of Congress. Uh, so why they indicted Bannon and not Meadows, that I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. And the way I look at Garland is I'm fully prepared to um, be patient. You know, I mean, I, I, I there, there is a, mm. a huge, <laughs> there's a huge mm, number of people. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure patience is going to work, but okay. Well, I'm. What I mean is, I don't necessarily want to hang the 2022 election on Merrick Garland's neck and say if, if we don't see indictments by November, then Democrats are screwed in the midterms. Yeah. I, I don't want to yeah. say that because I feel like there's so many other things that we have to be concerned about. And I know there's a lot of people who voted for Joe Biden who maybe were not Democrats, but they voted for Joe Biden because they wanted to see Trump held accountable and blah, 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 blah. I mean, obviously I want Trump to see, I want him to be held accountable, but I feel like if an indictment comes down in February of 2023, as opposed to July, 2022, I'm going to be fine with that. I mean, obviously, if he's not doing yeah, anything, no, no, but that's here's different. the problem. I okay. completely, yeah, I think everyone would be fine with that. The problem is that if it doesn't come down in July 2022, there's no guarantee it's coming down in February 2023. Yeah. And so it, it's not like, it's not as though, you know, someone from DOJ has leaked, uh, you know, has leaked the DOJ position, which is just hold tight, people, it's going to happen. Yeah. That, that hasn't come about. And so every month that passes by without it happening or without a clear sign that it's going to happen leads people to believe that it may never happen. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, where the frustration is coming in. Because yeah. if people knew that it was coming down the pike yeah. at some point, I don't think that they would be upset that it was going to take an extra two or six or eight months. Right. Well, yeah. And that makes sense. Um well, you know, it's it, it'll be interesting. And when your article comes out, you're going to have to let me know. I want to see what you have to say about this. And so um, I'm going to move on to with the idea of Trump facing all of these different investigations. Obviously, in in New York, you've got the civil and um, the criminal case and they are working together. Do you think. OK, so there again, there could be a situation where Trump is found guilty of some kind of criminal behavior. And if that's true and it's in a criminal, it's a criminal thing. Do you think it's possible that he would be either sent to jail or have some kind of a sentence where he's going to have to like a home jail or something like, do you think that would happen? Um, a lot of that depends on the guidelines. And, and I think what you're talking about is the, the district attorney in Manhattan is doing a criminal investigation mm -hmm. uh, of Trump and Trump's family. And the, the criminal investigation has actually, um, you know, been I, I think it's been acknowledged that mm -hmm. that's what's taking place. Yeah. Um, so if Trump is convicted of a crime. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into invest. There's a lot that goes into the between between he's being investigated and he's convicted. Mm -hmm. I mean, there have to be charges that are brought. Mm -hmm. There has to be pretrial hearings. There has to be a jury trial and there actually has to be a jury that would convict him. Mm -hmm. So you're sort of jumping down <laughs> that that pike. And yes, if he's convicted of a crime, what would his sentence be? It all depends on what he's convicted of. And, and in most states, and like in the federal system, there are guidelines that you use um, to try and get some type of consistency between different defendants um, and sentencing them. So a lot of it would have to do with his guidelines. But ultimately, the judge uh, has a tremendous amount of flexibility. Mm -hmm. You know, it would also depend on what judge he got. I mean, it's just it's it's you know looking at a crystal ball at the moment and all you see are clouds it's impossible to tell but because he's a former president do you think that that would mean he gets special treatment uh it depends on the judge yeah you know i mean the judge 
it, it could work both ways. A mm-hmm. judge could say, you have everyone's eyes on you. I'm going to make a, an example out of you. Mm-hmm. Or the judge could say, it would be a huge embarrassment for the United States to mm-hmm. have a former U.S. president taken into custody. And, and I think it would harm the country too much. Hmm. It, it, it just depends on so many yeah. factors. But, but I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that simply because someone is being invested, like Donald Trump is being investigated for a crime, that he's going to end up being charged and convicted. I mean, right. I think that there's a lot, there are a lot of different problems that go mm-hmm. into, into that. Well, and yeah, and I mean, obviously, too, I'm just a layperson, and I'm, I'm, that's why I like talking to you. But I think the question that a lot of people have is, if he is found guilty, like, you know, let's, let's jump all the way to he's found guilty to some crime that someone else has done time for, um, you know, where it would basically be apples to apples. Uh, the fact that he's the president, and you're right, the judge has a huge influence over this and all the flexibility, so I guess it just does depend on the judge, but there's a lot of people out there who absolutely flat out think he's never going to have any kind of sentencing just because he is a former president, and then there are other people I've talked to who think, oh yeah, he absolutely could go to jail, so, I mean, you know, we won't know till we know. Um, Out of Yeah, and, and I have to say this, which judge handles a case shouldn't but does have a huge impact on what happens in the case both during the course of of you know pretrial and trial and sentencing it makes a huge difference look at the Kyle Rittenhouse I was just going to say yeah I was yeah, just going to say I mean say, who yeah. who really pressed not only a thumb but basically mm-hmm. sat on the scales of justice mm-hmm. in order to help Kyle Rittenhouse um you know, you wouldn't find that in a lot of other judges. Yeah. And consequently, you know, people like to think uh, that judges are all, uh, you know, are all knowing and always <laughs> act in a way that many of us would think are appropriate and are always fair and don't have any biases or prejudices. And, you know, their own personal sense of what should happen doesn't come into, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the way they handle a case. That is not true. It should be true. I wish it were true. But in my experience, practicing both in state court and federal court and practicing both as a defense attorney and as a prosecutor, um, a lot of what happens in in criminal cases is affected by the judge you draw. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So this God, that's just so scary to think that like one person is going to have so much influence if Trump ever does have to face any real kind of criminal charges and stuff like that. And if he gets if he gets in big trouble for it, I and, guess we're just going to have to find out. <laughs> yeah. And let me say this. I don't want people to perceive that I think all judges are bad and that all right. judges, you know, do things that are not consistent with our perception of justice. But but, you know, there are a lot of judges who have, um, you know, very clear perceptions mm-hmm. about things going into cases um, and it can have a big influence on, on how the case pans out because you know of the rulings of the judge the sentencing of the judge yeah. you know what the judge says to the jury mm-hmm. um, it, it you know it shouldn't be that way but it often is yeah and that's just the way it goes and so the last question I'm going to ask you is you know that <laughs> Trump's accounting firm has abandoned him and that's really bad and I, I guess yeah, they, wait, wait, wait. they haven't just abandoned him. <laughs> They've abandoned him and said, by the way, all of those uh, financial statements right. that we've made over the past yeah. 10 years, those aren't yeah. reliable. Mm-hmm. It's like abandoning him and kicking him, him yeah. on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my question is going to be about at least my initial question. Um, I've, you know, a lot of people going back to this whole thing about him being arrested, more people think that it is likely that, you know, he'll just basically be, you know, robbed of his fortune or whatever it is that he has. Well, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I have to stop you because if Trump loses his fortune, it will not be robbery. It will you're be right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. That, I, that's, that's a wrong word. Justice. That ain't robbery. That's you're, you're absolutely right. And I said the wrong word. But yeah, um, if he if he loses his whatever it is because i mean we don't know how much he really has but whatever it is that he has if he loses it because of the crimes that he has committed evidently he's about 590 million in debt and so one of the things that i was thinking was okay so 
if if the only thing that he suffers as a result of everything he did was was losing his money um okay that's fine fine i'll i can be okay with that he's lost his fortune that's a punishment that's going to drive him fucking nuts but then i thought to myself but you know he can he he's really good at swindling money he's really good at being a grifter and grifting and getting all these people to just give him money um so my question here is what since he's about 590 million in debt that could come i don't know they could call for that money sooner than later i think he has a year or two to pay it but they could say you have to pay it now um he's not going to be able to go fund me that kind of money i don't know that he could raise that kind of money based on his stupid you know latest i don't know and what what it's called that fake twitter thing that he put up um do you think that this happening right now do you think it's going to be financially devastating for him and if so do you think he's going to be able to find a new avenue like will his followers basically support him i don't know what i don't know how it's going to play out what mazars did i mean you know to me it's it's pretty awful out and say don't <laughs> consider anything that we've yeah. written up on your behalf for the last 10 years to be accurate and to me that hints that the information that they believe they were getting was not accurate mm-hmm. but how that all plays into an equation and in, in what happens with donald trump and you know when uh his debts will be called due the pay his debts um, you know, again, it's it's almost reading tea leaves because remember, if you or I didn't pay our mortgage, oh, yeah. our house would be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't often work that way for people who, uh, you know, can find different avenues in the law to protect their assets. I mean, remember, O.J. Simpson, after the civil verdict against him, did a very good job of ensuring that he still lived a a luxurious lifestyle, comfortable, luxurious lifestyle, despite, you know, uh, a judgment against him. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's just impossible to know. But it, it often does come down to. The sad reality that the people who really can't afford it, the people who yeah. have very little, uh, also get very little leeway when it comes to mm-hmm. debt or not being able to pay their debts. And people yeah. who are quite wealthy, who owe huge amounts of money, who can't pay it or won't pay it, often receive, unfortunately, um, a lot of a lot of leeway in how they live their lives, and, yeah. and it doesn't affect them in the way that we would expect it to or want it to. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I think we've we've been through all this stress ever since that escalator ride, and you know, I, a lot of us assumed that once Biden got in, we were going to finally, you know, clamp down, get rid of COVID, and move forward as a nation. And un- unfortunately, COVID got worse, which is not Biden's fault, um, despite his best efforts. So, too many people. No, no, no. And, to- and let me say this: this is, I'm I'm sort of glad you touched on this because it's a, a sore. Uh, spot of mind. You know, people are griping about Biden not getting rid of COVID as though he has some yeah. big magic wand that yeah. he can just wave and COVID will go away. And the, most of the people who are griping mm-hmm. about Biden and not doing enough for COVID are the people who refuse to wear masks mm-hmm. and who refuse to get vaccinated. Yeah, and they're the um, problem. And so, you know, my my comment to them is shut up. <laughs> if you are not willing to do it's actually more than that, but <laughs> yes. I'm not sure what I can say. You could say anything uh, you want here. <laughs> okay, but you know, but my you know my feeling is if you're not willing to do the basic things mm-hmm. like cover your face mm-hmm. when you have potentially a respiratory virus yeah. that transmits through particles that come out of your your you know lungs and your nose and your mouth when you breathe and when you talk, do not complain that COVID is still going on. Right. Yeah, but they do. And so that's the problem. They do, right. <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, it's like we've we've had, yeah, Biden has was fantastic. Everybody, vaccines were available, easy to get at first. It was tough, but that's just because they had to get it rolled out and we were all chomping at the bit. And finally, it was just and available. Remember, and, and don't forget this, Trump turned down an opportunity yes. Yes. to get more, I think it was 200 million, but it was more than 100 million vaccines he was offered 
first priority to get the vaccines. And before he left office, he turned down that opportunity to get them. So, you know, so even at the beginning, this wasn't Biden's fault. This was Trump's doing. Yes, absolutely. And so Biden has been, I think he's done a fantastic job. But again, we have this Republican Party and then we have a few Democrats that are just behaving like Republicans and they're they're keeping us from what we expected to happen. I think, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't expect we were going to get all the way back to normal. I knew that there would, actually I was hopeful that the what we saw in Trump's presidency, the breaking of the norms and everything, I thought maybe in this, you know, in Biden's presidency, uh, he can only do so much, you know, he can't fix everything all at once. But what I was hoping for, and I think what we were all hoping for, is a return to feeling somewhat normal again with COVID, which we're not feeling right now, and with politics, which we're, you know, we're, we're nowhere near normal. The Republican Party went in a direction that most people didn't expect. And so now we are all feeling like we want to see the people who have done so much damage being held accountable. And as you have very well pointed out, you know, the law is complicated. And when you're dealing with an ex-president and, you know, a, a wealthy a wealthy man who's been able to get away with all this stuff for his whole life, when you watch that as a person, you're just feeling, you know, as, a, as a voter, as a citizen or whatever, you're just feeling so helpless and out of control. And I think so many people just like rush to that I want to see Trump in jail you know they they rush to that because they they feel as if they've been abused uh you know some people have literally been physically abused because of the dangerous rhetoric that he's put out the racist stuff the misogynist stuff and you know I mean it's just it's so difficult yeah I I mean I don't think it's a knee-jerk reaction for people to say Trump should be in jail I mean you know he began his political career with a fraudulent payoff of a porn star, you know, that's a campaign finance fraudulent violation that ended up his, you know, his personal attorney yeah. in federal custody right. and him listed as individual number one. I mean, so it's not like people are just saying, you're a rotten guy. We want to see you in jail. I mean, they're connecting it to actual events. I mean, you know, he tried to extort. Uh, you know, a foreign ally yeah. uh, to get foreign aid in exchange for manufactured dirt on his political opponent. I mean, he, you know, after he lost the election, there's a, a recording of him, you know, mm-hmm. talking to the uh, attorney general of Georgia mm-hmm. saying, I need you to find me enough votes to yeah. basically steal a state that I didn't win. Uh, you know, then he, uh, you know, then he prompt an insurrection by whipping people up into a frenzy, uh, you know, that doing what anyone would know that they were going to do. And then as he was leaving the White House, he, you know, tore, uh, flushed Mm -hmm. and burned and stole uh, presidential documents. Mm -hmm. So none of this is, you know, coming from a sense of he's just a bad guy. Uh, In general, we don't like him. It's all coming from you know, realistic, uh, horrible things that he did that that many people who analyze this legitimately, prosecutors, constitutional scholars, perceive are criminal activities. Yeah. Yeah, uh, So do you have, okay, I know, I know I'm asking you to make some kind of prediction, but, and even though you're a lawyer and you don't necessarily have the gut feelings, but do you have any sense of what will happen in November? Like, are you feeling positive or are you freaked out? I'm freaked out. Yeah. Well, I'm freaked out. I'm freaked out. (laughs) I'm freaked out too. I think, I think though, you know, it's funny because I, I definitely believe that without that voting rights act or those voting rights acts that it's going to be so obviously it's going to be so much harder, but I'm not of the same thinking that I was just a few months ago that it's going to be impossible without it. I think, you know, I talked to Cree Pennebaker, who um, he works with the DNC and he has a very interesting backstory. His, unfortunately, his mother had committed suicide when he was just a little baby. And so, you know, he's grown up um, as, as an adult. He's been advocating for, you know, common sense gun laws and he's been very political He seems to, and he's black, and he seems to be under the impression that even though, um, you know, especially people of color are targeted, um, 
in, in, in all these draconian laws that are happening all over, voting laws happening all over the country, specifically in red states, that even though that's the case, that people can still work around it. And he's correct. The fear is this is a midterm. And, you know, historically speaking, midterms don't go so well for the party, um, the, you know, the opposition party. And or, or or not the no it doesn't go well for the for whoever's in office so you know the opposition party will win is what the historic historically tells us yeah because no one is ever satisfied with what they have I exactly mean, this is the this is the traditional you know oh I've got something I'm not going to look at what's good from it I'm just going to be unhappy right. and sort of swing and you know hit what I've got and make sure that something new comes in and then I'll hit them in two more years as well yeah yeah. And it's this whole thing, well, I, I'm not in love with him and I didn't get my way, so okay, I'll, I'll just let the fascists win because that's really what's going to happen this time around. But I, I feel like if, if people don't, but I, I think, like, I'm, I'm kind of teetering on feeling completely freaked out and somewhat hopeful, and, and the somewhat hopeful just comes from the fact that we're going to have these public hearings with Trump, and I think the Republican Party has been behaving so crazy lately banning books and it's going to work with some of their base it's absolutely going to work but i think in the bigger picture i think perhaps there is a hope that maybe their ridiculous um extremism is going to hurt them and more democrats and more sane voters are going to actually show up so that's like my hopeful feeling i, I yeah but here's the thing here's yeah i i I, if I could anoint that hopeful feeling to come to pass, mm-hmm. I would. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that it will. But, you know, uh, it was just recently that Harris County in Texas rejected some huge number of ballots, like 37 percent. And, you know, that's a Democratic stronghold. And yeah. so what Republicans are doing, because they have a lot of control over the local election authorities, is they're they're rejecting things like absentee voting, right. uh, absentee votes in Democratic And, you know, so it's difficult to find fault in in Democrats and say, oh, they're not coming out when, in fact, they're doing what they're supposed to do, which is vote. And they're entitled to do it by mail and ballot. Mm-hmm. And they're getting rejected. Yeah. My big concern is less that people will not will not do what needs to be done like voting and more that county authorities Mm. and attorney generals of individual states who are Republican will have their way to look for ways to disqualify, um, you know, that that hold votes that should be legitimate. That's my big concern. And really the only answer to that is if everyone, you know, decided to stand in line and go to the polls and pull the lever you know, or pin the pinhole in the, um, you know, in the ballot. Right. And that's just not fair. And the way that Republicans are, are working it is to the disadvantage of Democrats. And that's just, you know, the smarmy underbelly of Republican manipulation that yeah. borders on criminal. Yes, it does. And, and that is the big fear. That is the big fear. And you're absolutely correct. And, you know, I mean, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. And I guess we're just going to have to wait and hear what you have to say about uh, Garland <laughs> when your USA Today <laughs> article comes out. But I just want to say thank you so much uh, for being on the show. I always enjoy talking to you. And we didn't even talk about the housewives this time, but maybe next time we will. <laughs> I, I know, because, you know, that is one of my favorite things. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I always tell my boyfriend, I'm like, I'm telling you. I said, if I ever leave politics, I'm going to start a podcast and Michael Stern is going to be my partner and we're going to just talk. But I'll probably get more hate from that than I do from politics. Yeah, no, no, no. I, am, I am completely up for a podcast that talks only about all of the real housewives. <laughs> Well, you never know one day and you would, you would be my guy. So, and what I love is there have been a couple of other men who have, when I talked about the real housewives, okay, well, I watch it too. (laughs) 
And it's just yeah, like, yeah. There's this whole there's this whole secret society of men who are watching the Real Housewives, but no one's willing to admit it. Listen, no. I admitted it in federal court to a jury <laughs> in my last jury trial. So oh you know, God. it's all out there. I've got no place to go except tell the truth about it. That's freaking awesome! Oh my God, I have to just give you a big virtual hug for that. So, all right, um, before I let you go, tell everybody where they're going to find you. Uh, okay, so I am on Twitter far too often, and uh, <laughs> and my Twitter, what is it called? Is it a handle? Is it yeah, a name? Yeah, it's your Twitter it's handle. A handle, okay. So my Twitter handle is at Michael J. Stern, the number one. Awesome. Do you have any websites or anything like that? I don't. You know, I listen, I, I wasn't even on Twitter until two or three years ago <laughs> when an editor of mine said who I hate now. I'm so angry at her. And I've told her this recently, who said, you know, you're writing all these articles and you really should go on Twitter and post them so yeah. people can see them there. And, and I did, I, it was a huge mistake because now I'm obsessed with the darn thing and it's just, you know, it, it sucks huge amounts of time away from you that you never get back. I know it's real. It really is. But it's also like a cocktail party. I think it's like it reminds me of a cocktail party on the street. You know, that song. Um, <laughs> what is it? The Rolling Stone song um, Shattered. Um, but that's what it, it's like. It's like this big cocktail party. And everybody's kind of like hanging out in this group. And then you go and hang out in that group. And for me, I'm a loner. And it's great. I mean, I'm sick of fucking being alone now because of COVID. I want to get out and I want to go to restaurants and have fun and be like live like a normal person. But generally speaking, it, it's especially been fantastic for me during this pandemic because it is a way uh, to, you know, kind of like hang out with other people and you don't even have to get dressed up. So, um, I, listen, I completely agree with you on that. And that's the healthy way of looking at it. But <laughs> very little that I is done in moderation so be it chocolate chip cookies or the real housewives or twitter it's all done to excess and that's the problem oh well well i'm glad that you're there even if you're not but um i like i like seeing you and i love your takes and again i'm grateful that you came on my show and don't forget you can follow me on twitter author kimberly l-e-y and then my books are on amazon thank you so much and i will have you back soon my pleasure, Kimberly. Take care. Bye-bye.